turn with me into the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, and then I read 11 and 12, and then we'll continue from there again. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now in Ephesians 6, 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, just like we tried to open up last week, I tried to make us understand the concept of warfare in relation to the priesthood, how that the performance of the works of the Levitical order was referred to as a warfare. And I tried to explain that the temple warfare necessarily gave power to the political warfare. That Joshua did a political warfare, but the temple warfare, which had to do with the priesthood, was empowering the success or engineering the success of the political warfare or campaign. We were able to pick that, as I tried to explain to you, when the ark was brought at any point in time to the front, even the Philistines could recognize that God had showed up. And you must understand it was only the priests that were qualified to carry the ark. Amen? Amen? Okay. And so I want to build on that this evening and I also try to explain to you that basically Ephesians 6, which has to do with the whole armor of God, has to do with your armor as it relates to your ability to stand and to defend your faith and consecration in this world. Amen. And I try to explain again that the wires of the devil has to do with not necessarily some of the things we think about, but precisely has to do with thoughts, opinions, concepts that could derail you from the faith. Because why is the same thing as tricks? And Ephesians 4 also tells us precisely how that we should be able to grow to the point where we are not tossed to and fro by the cunning craftiness of men that lies in wait. Craftiness is the same thing as why, which has to do with trickery. Hallelujah. Okay, so again, we want to proceed. But to read this now, let's understand. Uh, the basis of this warfare or the nature of this warfare and who our enemy really is. And like I said, if the Levitical order was kind of carrying out a warfare by the performance of their duty in the temple. And again, we know that First Peter 2 verse number 5 tells us precisely a royal priesthood. How many of you remember that? Okay. So if we're a royal priesthood and then there is a temple that also needs to be defended, if you will, from where comes the power and the glory for political advancement, if you will, then of course, 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 16, explains that because it says, you are the temple of the living God. 
Hallelujah. So that was a temple made with hands. Now there is a temple made with our hands. There was a real, there was a priesthood. Now there is a royal priesthood. Amen. And so the warfare has to do with protecting or defending the sanctification or the the consecration of the priesthood and then tabernacle or the temple of God. Both of them are going together. One has to do with your function or your call as a royal priesthood, which you must maintain before men. Even as the scripture will say you are the sort of the ex. Hallelujah. And then you talk about the temple which carries the presence of God. Because in, in, in the Old Testament, I'm going to explain what Old Testament is again in context as we begin to understand this passage. We'll come to the place to understand that the consecration of the temple is equally connected to you as a temple of the living God now. Because Hebrews, it tells us precisely that the whole ark is right now in you. Because the laws of God are written within your heart. No longer a tablet of stones. Amen? Okay. Now, if you look at this Ephesians 6, for instance, let's look at verse 12. Uh, and it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Anytime commonly this scripture is read, uh, our mind goes to certain spiritual powers that are warring against us. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but what about if I say something like even discouragement is spiritual? It's a, it's a spirit. Right? Discouragement is a spirit. Okay, fine. Now, are we supposing that the devil is the one sending discouragement? Or naturally, you can just look at situation and then you get discouraged because things are not working. Is that okay? Fine. Now, we're talking about what can enable you to stand when discouragement supposedly shows up on your face. But you see, when you take all of this thing and put it on the head of the devil, as we have commonly understood the scripture, you will not be able to apply your armor. Praise the Lord. Because you see, you'll be looking for the source sometimes outside of what is readily available to you that you can see. You probably be thinking somebody is sending some missiles somewhere, as we have always believed. Right? But situation, hey, we must always believe this. Let's let's know this. Sometimes we do know that when you don't have enough, have, you can get discouraged. What devil is is it devil is your money or something like that? Maybe business, maybe you didn't plan well. But in the midst of that failure, you still be able to stand because there is an anchor that you have, there is an armor that you have that can keep you going. Because you are trusting in something. As we begin to explain the armor much, much later. Now, if we look at the word, the armor of God. It means God uses these armors. I don't understand. Maybe it could be confusing. Right. But I think it has to do with the way God thinks. It has to do with the way God stands the situation. God is not like man. God does not get discouraged. Fine. But we being in his image. By reason of the life we live. There's a propensity for us to get discouraged. Because we don't see as God sees. So he provides this armor for us so that we can be able to stand when discouragement comes, when confusion comes. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, let's move down just a little bit. Let me give you a simple illustration of some of this thing I'm talking about. You see, I got a text this afternoon from someone and they gave a number in that text message. 
the SMS machine and said, if this number calls you, don't receive it. Or if there's a strange number calls you, don't answer it. Because 10 people have died. That's okay, fine. Now, you just send this to me, 10 people have died. Where did you get the information from? Where did the people die? Now, that thing can send wrong signals into your mind that you won't even pick relevant calls. I mean, for goodness sake, that I'm talking to somebody, then I'll fall down, I'm going to fall down and die. How could that be? What kind of energy is the person different? I mean, okay, before you send that to me, how many people should have received that all over the world by now? You are just counting 10. And now, you forwarded 10 to me, I forward 10 to somebody, I forward 10 to somebody. Are you sure we are still turning the circle? Hallelujah. Now, let's look at this place. And he said, well, I'm just telling you what thought and information can do. And what the armor that you have can enable you to be able to do what overcome at any particular time. Amen? What troubles the world must not trouble you. Amen. Now, I want to look at a few words here. For instance, you have the word high place. Huh? Spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, now, other translations say spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So, high place is the same thing as what? Heavenly place. But I want to, I want to look at some three major things or application of this word in the book. For instance, in number. 22, verse number 41. The Bible says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. So here, the hilltops, where pagan gods, where pagan gods were worshipped, were also referred to as what? High places. I want you to understand this. There is something you need to understand about this use, or the use of the word high places or heavenly places. Very important. But don't you forget, the spiritual wickedness is in high places. Is that okay? All right. Then, number two, it refers to the place of protection and defense. For instance, in Psalm 18, verse 33, He maketh my feet like his feet, and settled me upon high places. Okay? Then, Psalm 9, verse 9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. That word refuge in the Hebrew means a high place. So I want you to understand it. You have to follow the context in which it is used to be able to understand what the high place stands for. Amen. Okay. Number three. It also speaks of the sphere of authority, power, and ministry where the servant of God is placed for duty. For instance, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, if you look at 12 to 13, the Bible says, And they answered them, now they were looking for Samuel, okay, Saul and his servant. And he answered them and said, He is, be he is behold, he is before you. Make haste now, for he came today to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. All right? As soon as he come into the city, ye shall straight for find him. Before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes. Because he doth bless the sacrifice and afterward they eat that be bidden. 
Now therefore get ye up, for about this time ye shall find him. So what we find here? Samuel took Saul to his prophetic high place to commune with him about his call to be the king of Israel. Did you get that? So understand, high place could refer to demonic stronghold in terms of like we find in the case of Balaam. Is that all right? Then it refers to a place of defense and protection. So basically God has his own high place. But again, it speaks of authority and power and dimensions of the mystery of the servants of God. Praise the Lord. So you find it was at a high place that Saul, I mean Samuel, was able to talk to Saul, introduce him to the mind of God, and if I may use the word, initiate him into the kingship that he finally became a king in Israel. It was at a high place. The authority of, of Samuel was kind of ministered from the position of the high place I was occupying. Am I making sense to you? All right. Okay. Uh, that, but that's trying to identify some of these things. So now, let's try to identify these powers in the high place that we wrestle with. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? All right. And I remember I told you, maybe we're just going just a little bit. Let's begin to look. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8, I think I explained this to you a few weeks ago. The Bible says, uh, talking about the, the death of Jesus, is a which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. How many of you remember who the princes of this world is? Amen? Uh, can you remember that? Okay. Now, I, I try to give you some other scripture today. For instance, in comparing Hebrews 9 verse 26, the Bible says, For them was he, referring to Jesus, often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but once in the end of the world, had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Of himself. Amen? Now, we are told by the end of the world. Which war? Ended when Jesus came. Now, if you look at this scripture, it's, it's, it's very, uh, very simple and plain. If you're somebody who really can kind of follow and study. It's referring to the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood as compared to his own priesthood. Is that okay? Now, the other priesthood, there was a continuation of sacrifices because there was this remembrance of sin every year. Is that okay? Now, but when he came, the Bible says he put an end to that kind of practice. So which wall ended? It was simply the temple worship and the sacrificial system of the Levitical order. So if you check the word wall there, it's already connected to the word ages or age. Therefore, the whole system or economic precept of the temple worship was an age. So sometimes when you read the Bible say in this world or in the world to come, he's talking about another geographical setting. He is simply saying in this age or in the age to come. Most of if you read that from the epistle, I mean the, the gospel, what you should understand is the Bible is saying of the age which was supposed to be the age of the law and the age which was supposed to be the church age that was to come. And can I tell you something? There is another age that is coming which is the age of the kingdom. Amen? Alright. 
So now, when you get down to the book of Acts, so when we say the priest of this world, it simply means the Jewish rulers and not necessarily the devil. Is that okay? Remember, most of what Paul was writing, was writing to the Jewish believers. Is that all right? Okay. So in Acts chapter 13, for instance, if you look at verse 26, the Bible says, Men and brethren, children of this talk of Abraham, and whosoever among you fear of God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophet, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Still making reference to who? To the death of Jesus. And the question is, who really killed Jesus Christ? It was in Pilate? It was even what you call the devil? Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. Now remember, when Pilate wanted to set him free, what did they say? Let his blood be upon us. You know, they accepted that they must be the one to kill him. So when he said, if the prince of this world, the prince of this world have not moved, you should understand he was talking about the Jewish people, which has to do basically the leadership. The authority of the Jewish system, where they were referred to as the princess of this world. Am I making sense to you? Okay. Now, if you look at Luke again, Luke 24, verse number 19, it says, and he, Jesus, said unto them, what things? And he said unto him, now, these two men, disciples on the road to Emmaus, okay? All right. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was, brought, which was a prophet mighty indeed and well before God and all the people, and verse 20 says, and how the chief priests and our rulers deliver him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Is it plain there? Good. So now, we find that authorities or priests doesn't necessarily refer to dimensions or stratify spiritual operations in the spirit realm. In context. Hallelujah. Let's move on. So, when we go back to Ephesians 6 verse 12, it is said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is a Hebrew term for human beings. Meaning our contention is not with human beings in that sense. Hallelujah. So then, somebody said, of course, we're content with spiritual beings. <laughs> Just hold on for a moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, the word wrestle from the Greek actually implies the athletic games. Or exercising the games of the Olympic Games. But here, it signifies warfare in general. Right? Okay. And when you use the word against principalities, the Greek word there is chief rulers, beings of the first rank and order in their own kingdom. I would like you to translate this to the princess of this world that crucified Jesus. Principalities actually means Chief rulers. Now, so what we have commonly believe is the organized system of demonic powers 
Do you understand that? Yeah. This is often and again where our mind goes to. But listen, most of the warfare that the apostles fought were not against demons. For instance, Paul says, I wrestle with the beast of Ephesus. Was he wrestling with tigers? Don't talk to me. Was he wrestling with lions or something in Ephesus? No. He was wrestling with authority who will not allow the gospel of Christ to penetrate. And most often, they were the Jewish people. Did you get that? Okay. Now, the next word is power, or powers, exousia, means authority derived from and constituted by the principalities above as we reign in their own sphere. How many of you remember that Paul got authority to go and kill the Christians? Yeah. Right. So where did he get it from? He got it from the principalities. Are you following this? Good. He got the authority from the principalities to make sure Christianity doesn't work or survive. Whoever confessed to be Christian, he must kill until he was arrested on the road to Damascus. Hallelujah. The next word you're going to see there is the rulers of the darkness of this world. And again, if you take that to where we started from 1 Corinthians, it becomes a little bit easy. The rulers of the world, of this world, the empires or the emperors of the darkness of this state of things. Now, I, I, I say in my note, I said, do not forget the world here is not talking about the globe. Amen? Amen. But what? The organized system of men in authority. Just like the Jews who crucified Jesus. Here we can even be talking about oppressive political structures that works against the advancement of the Christian life in all spheres of life. Did you get that? Rulers of the darkness of this world. So, every system that resists by way of either law or otherwise the advancement of the kingdom of God, they are all under the rulers of the darkness of this world, which has to do with this age. The age that we are is the age where men are resisting the advancement of the kingdom of God. Like I said, it could be political and it could be religious. The dark which stands against the truth of God's word is directly connected to the rulers of the darkness of this world. We are talking of people who can make laws, people who can institute orders, people who can make statements that say, we don't want this to happen again. Amen? Hallelujah. The next word we're going to have there is the word spiritual wickedness. These are spiritual things of wickedness. If you go by the original translation, it's not talking about spiritual wickedness. It's spiritual things of wickedness. That's where it goes. So spiritual things of wickedness simply means whatever. Just like the example I gave. When Paul was going to crucify the Christian, it was a spiritual thing of wickedness. The act, are you still there? was originated by the hierarchy of the Jewish order to eliminate Christianity. It was an act of wickedness. So we're talking about spiritual things of wickedness. Not just spiritual wickedness, but, but spiritual things of wickedness. So every act 
that men originate to stop the advancement of Christianity is spiritual thing or wickedness. Are you there? And somebody somewhere should be able to originate that. Praise the living God. <sighs> so we are talking about even things like falsehood. Okay? Religious order, I mean, falsehood that is clothed with religious garb to deceive the people is spiritual act of wickedness or spiritual wickedness. Is that okay? Hallelujah. All of them are actually being put together to stand against the revelation of religious truth and life. Every act. That is what you call spiritual wickedness. Okay? Are we together? Alright. So if it's a spiritual wickedness in high places, what does that mean? We're talking about those in authority originating acts that can stop the advancement of life within the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, you're talking about in high places. Speaking of men in high position of authority, but who could Paul be referring to in this particular passage? High places. I'm sure you understand what we said before in high places. Three on basic definition I gave. Is that okay? Right. Three basic definition. Baal, worshippers, high places. Remember that? And then we talk about high place being a refuge. Huh? And then we talk about high place being the authority and power to the ministers and servants of God. Is that okay? So who was Paul referring to here when you're talking about spiritual act of wickedness in high places? Let's see, for instance. I, in the course of my study, I find an interesting word from Scott Jen and, uh, in relation to this particular passage. And I was very much interested and blessed with it. And I decided to really bring it out. To him, the rabbis... And the Jewish rulers are the ones that are in place or in that high place. These are things prove the worst. Now, there are some specific ways that are used which actually impress my heart. Improving the word, for instance, he said, the world's rulers of the darkness of this world often refers to the Old Testament. And the Jewish system. And that to me is an interesting revelation. And then he said, and I quite agree with this, heavenly places has to do with the New Testament. So two things. And that's why it's in Ephesians 2. The Bible says we are sitting together with Christ where? In heavenly places. What it means is we are not under the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Is it making sense to us? Personally, I'm so impressed with this. That commonly, that is the way it is used. When they want to refer to the Old Testament, the Jewish system is referred to as rulers of the darkness of this world. That refers to the Old Testament and those in authority and those controlling the law, as it were. Then when they want to refer to the New Testament, 
it is simply referred to as what? Heavenly places. So you see, when Paul was speaking about those in authority or in high places, he was referring to the rulers of the darkness of this world. What does that mean? He was now referring to the Jewish system and those controlling that system. The rabbis and Jewish rulers in the synagogue. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. I'm particularly convinced about this because he said we are sitting together with Christ in heavenly places. And he got to Hebrews, Hebrews 13. He said, we've got an altar. We are those who offer the sacrifice and are qualified to eat. Have you read that? It means there are two realms. And he now said, let us go out to meet him. That means Christ initiated another system which is called the heavenly place system and wherever he is, is where we are. And so we are sitting together with him where? In heavenly places. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Away from the spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, I mean, uh, uh, as you can find in this world. Okay, now let's move down a little bit. So when he says spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, he has to do with the false teachers who are endeavoring to corrupt Christianity. And for instance, we find that in the book of John, we look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. It talks about those who went out of us and they're not with us. Remember that? He said they are not with us. They left us, but they were not with us. They went from us, but they were not of us. We're talking about the Antichrist family or group. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. All right. So. In, 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 in understanding this, we begin to see that those in such places are whoever. It's not just in the Jewish setting, but whoever is in authority uh, but can initiate things that can really stop or work against the progress of true Christianity is also sitting under the platform of spiritual wickedness in where? In high places. Hallelujah. Now, if, if another interesting thing which he shows, which I also find out there, this Hebrew word which he wrote down there, and he said originally the Hebrew people referred to their city as the ruler of the world. And that's very interesting. So, if they were the ruler of, of the world, which is the way they referred to their city, simply means those who control the city are those in spiritual wickedness where in high places. They are in authority. And they always feel they want to rule. In fact, they are the ones to rule the world. Praise the living God. Now, if you look at the book of Second Kings, I mean, uh, Psalm number 2, verse number 2, remember what he said? He said, the kings of this world, or this earth, set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and is anointed. Have you read that before? Fine. Now, if you go down to Acts chapter 4, verse 26, we're going to find that Paul quoted that, the apostles quoted that. When Peter and John were being persecuted. What does that mean? Paul was not saying what David said is what is not being manifested. So the question, who were they that were persecuting John and Peter? They were the rulers of the synagogue. They were the people that say, we don't want this method to be preached anymore. Are you following what I'm talking about? And he was not saying, give us boldness. For he said, the kings of the earth. So who are the kings of the earth then? Remember, 
Their city were called the ruler of the world. So they were kings, they were rulers. Is anybody following this? And it was not the Gentiles that were stopping Christianity from progressing. Amen? In the early stage, it was actually the Jewish people that were fighting against it. Oh, hallelujah. Amen? So we can see where our warfare lies. Very interestingly, we can understand where this warfare is. The evil intent of many high places and every sphere of life whereby they lie in wait to frustrate our consecration and wholehearted service to the Lord. These are the of Hallelujah. I'm trying to define for you all of those words before you go down to how you can basically apply the armors that God has given unto you. Now you see, basically people don't see it from this perspective. They see it from the realm of the whole structure. Some people even say, well, it has to do with the fallen angels who are stopping us from receiving the blessings of God. I mean, that is funny. Hallelujah. That is what it stands for. You know, all kind of interpretation have really be given to this. But folks, I just want you to understand. Think about it. Can't you remember when they picked Peter, I think Peter Weber, put them in prison. And then what did they tell them the next time? We don't want you to preach. Even Paul, they told him, we don't want you to preach this message anymore. Don't ever speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Have you heard that before? Have you read about that before? Who was saying that? The Hallelujah. Now, think about it. What do you think will immediately happen to them with that kind of threat? If there is no board, they will start preaching. They want to save their lives. They will start talking about it. They want to save their lives. But they ask for boldness. They ask for strength. And what all of those things equals the armor that you finally is going to be putting on. In other words, you will not be intimidated in relation to your consecration and your wholehearted service to the Lord, no matter what happens. Now, the thing that will keep you going is what I'm about to discuss with you. The thing that will stabilize your life as a believer is the whole armor of God. Not, some, not just some people's armor. It has to do with the whole armor of God. Amen? And if you check all of the armors, as you're going to see much later, the biggest in all it all is the shield. Which means the greatest weapon you truly need always to and wherever you need to stand is faith. It's bigger. It talks about the shield. You can't compare, but it's not as if the sword does not do the job. But the shield protects your loins. Help me. Life is in your loins. And the shield protects your loins. Are you following what I'm saying? When we get there, we understand better. But you see, that means at any point in time, when discouragement or frustration, any of those things, oppression, obsession, anything is coming in, thoughts of suicide, thought of doing anything, when those things are coming, what's the next thing? The first thing you're going to do is to lift up your shield of faith. Hallelujah. Did you get this? Those are the arrows that will be coming. And they can come from any, any, 
How many of you sometimes know that you can be the only believer in the whole of your family? And that becomes a very terrible place to be. Because you face all manner of oppression, manner of jesting. In fact, you know what I'm talking about. But that is where you need your shield of faith. In the office, you need your shield of faith. When we get there, you're going to understand better what I'm saying now. But I'm trying to make you understand that all of these things are not just some things you maybe you want to walk into or do in the night, warfare at night by 12 midnight, all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. Fine. I don't have any problem with any of those concepts. But I'm saying that all armor of God is meant for you to be used every day, every moment of your life. Not just some things in the spirit realm in terms of your night battles, but even as you walk on a daily basis, you need the armor of God. Amen? Amen. Thoughts, suggestions, opinions. How many of you understand that even doubt is a very big weapon of the enemy? Good. You need the whole armor of God. God may have said some things to you and things are not working the way he said them to you. What's going to be your next response? If you don't have the armor, you begin to doubt God. And then the next thing you're going to have is an evil heart of unbelief. Did you get that? An evil heart. Now, evil heart also means wickedness. You turn out to become somebody who will have an evil heart of unbelief that makes it difficult for you to enter your Because those who cannot enter Canaan, which has to do with the promises of God, they finally have the doubt in spirit that become an evil heart of what? Of unbelief. And if there is anything I think God hates, is for you to disbelieve. Especially if he says a word to you. God cannot make a promise that he will not fulfill. Amen. He can't make a promise that he cannot fulfill. You don't need to develop and you cannot allow an evil out of unbelief to develop in your life. This is why this study is very, very, very important to you and for you and I. We need, we need, to, we need, to, we need to really understand where we are. And the warfare we are into basically is in our mind. Amen. Can I still continue with Christianity? Can I still believe what God said? All of those things has to do with the spirituality of your warfare. Ability to say, yes, I will continue. Is all you need. The shield of faithful. Praise the living God. So, okay, you can go back, go back and review all I've said. Understand what this means. Understand the lines of this world. And spiritual wickedness. Just try to understand all of those things. And you'll find on a daily basis, you can definitely see them. Praise the living God. You know, in Malaysia, I think something is going on there. Which everybody's praying. Because it's becoming a little bit terrible. I remember some years back, there was a major war between Christianity and Islam. One of the things they don't tolerate and they don't want to see is to make a Malaysian a Christian. In other words, don't you ever try to convert a Muslim. And that is bringing a major problem even now to the constitution of Malaysia. Very terrible one. Of late, Muslims walked into the church. They want to identify their people that have been converted. I mean, real warfare. That is what real warfare is all about. Now, if you are one of those people that have just been converted to Christianity, and here are your people coming to even look for you right in the church, <laughs> life is finished. The question is, will you still continue? Hallelujah. 
And like somebody told me before, in those areas, if you are truly a Muslim and you got converted to Christianity, if curry is not taken basically, the so you see, and the world, and you need your faith because there are places maybe you could be tomorrow, and these things will be there. What about if the Father sent you to such a city? What will you do? How do you preach? Warfare is going on. It's not just something somewhere there. No, no, no. We're talking about spiritual authority in high places, executing laws, executing, I mean, all manner of dictates to ensure that there's no advancement anymore of Christianity. But the good news is, go here into all the world and preach the gospel. You see, all power in heaven and earth have been doing what given unto me. That means we are sure of this victory, but with the armor of God to go into battle. God bless you.